1: What's up, doll fans welcome into the Sunday March the 11th edition. Of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, one of the Dolphins' biggest fan favorites was shipped off over the weekend. We will discuss that. Also, rumors circulating around Ndamukong Kinsu and Jawan James. Is there any truth to their possible departures? And what to expect this week as free agency officially begins in the NFL? How will Miami clear some money, spend that money, and how does it set them up for the draft class in 2018? But before any of that, I have to remind you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. On Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at Wingfield NFL and follow the show at Locked Finch. Check out lockedondolphins.com for your daily written Dolphins content needs, and of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat Podcast and Locked On NFL Podcast, for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And before first down today, we have a guest, my former partner riding shotgun once again. Kevin Dern joins the show. What's up, Kev?
0: Hey Travis, how's it like going? Good to be here today.
1: Yeah, man, it's not too bad. Uh, we got a lot to get to on the show, so I wanted to bring on Kevin to kind of do some of the uh, some of the heavy lifting on some of the positions I haven't really gotten into as much, or just kind of you know give me a second uh, second set of eyes because there's a lot to get into here. So let's go ahead and jump into first down here, the Locked On Dolphins podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And it is first down and talking about first down, the first news item of the day, of course, a fan favorite Jarvis Landry finally does get traded off to the Cleveland Browns for pick 123 in the fourth round of 2018 and a seventh rounder in 2019. Now, Kevin, I have made my opinions of Jarvis Landry and this contract journey of his, so to speak, well known on the podcast as well as on Twitter and everywhere else in between. What are your thoughts? How do you feel the Dolphins did in regards to this trade? I mean, tell me about how you feel about the entire thing throughout the course of not getting a contract done last year up until now and getting to this position as well as how you feel about the compensation they got after backing themselves into that proverbial corner.
0: Well, I guess my first thought would be is uh, just purely from a football fan perspective, Jarvis Landry was one of my favorite players. He was fun to watch. You know, he was dynamic when he got the ball on his hands. So I'm sad to see him go, but it sounds like the, the contract negotiation process when well, Miami tried to re-sign him all the way dating back to after 2016, they were just never going to work out a deal because Jarvis and I guess his agency kind of overvalued you know, what he actually meant to the Dolphins. And then I think on the other side of that coin, because Miami made some bad contract decisions with, with Andre Branch, Kiko Alonso, and some other guys, they were never really going to be in a position to re-sign them. And I think by that same token, they were never really going to be in a position to get, you know, fair value for them. So I think they did as well as they could, as far as getting a draft pick back this year, rather than waiting for the, the competence, a uh, compensatory pick next year. And it sounds like they want to make some sort of jump in free agency. So there's really no guarantee. They would have got a third round comp pick next year. So sad to see him go, but, uh, you know, I understand it.
1: And we'll definitely get more into that free agency talk later in the episode. But I, the whole way the process played out towards the end just was kind of fitting in terms of how ambiguous I was on my thoughts about Jarvis Landry and his production. Like you said, I love the guy. I have his jersey in my closet. I posted a picture on Twitter this morning of all the jerseys I have. It. Uh, basically, I have one guy left on the team. It's Ryan Tannehill. But um, I just kind of felt like, Every day, I kind of change my opinion on what they should do with Jarvis Landry because it was such a tough situation, and it playing out this way was just kind of fitting, but like you said, they made him an offer earlier in the season that, you know, the the rumored $13 million per year we heard about, which is insane numbers for a slot receiver if you look at some of the other guys in the league that are getting nowhere near that. Doug Baldwin, for instance, is way below that, that line right there, and I think he's probably a better player than Jarvis Landry, so it seems like... On one side of the coin, you can blame Landry for that high demand, but on the other side of the coin, you can blame the Dolphins for not having the available money because of the guys you mentioned, Kiko Alonso, Andre Branch, TJ McDonald, that type of thing. So, I mean, the fourth round draft pick, though, I mean, does does that kind of rub you the wrong way? Because I just feel like if they would have made the trade last, because they're talking about trading him last year when they traded Jay Ajayi, and that was probably part of the plan in terms of adam gaze coming out hot in that press conference saying that you know we got to do things the right way we got to have guys in the playbook especially our starters have to be out here being in the playbook and being ready to go do you think that landry was one of those guys he was talking about uh after that blow up in that press conference
0: yeah i think it could be and i think too by the same token if they had him on the trade deadline or on the trade block last year at the trade deadline they may have uh kind of overplayed their hand there in terms of, of what they might have been able to get. Um, quite frankly, I'm kind of surprised that the rest of the NFL didn't just kind of wait him out and, you know, force the Dolphins into a position where they had to keep him or just outright, you know, release him. And so I guess they did a good job in terms of getting something for him. But it, like I said before, it was never going to be that fair value for what, for how good Jarvis Landry is in my opinion.
1: And you look at what you know, you talked about. They're planning on making some moves in free agency. At least that's what we've heard. I don't, how would they have done that without getting rid of that $16 million off the books? I don't think they would have had a chance to even sign anybody if they have had that on the books still.
0: Yeah. They would have had to uh, dump one of the big money contracts. Yeah. Uh, I think just to even get themselves back in the black.
1: So it's like basically Jarvis Landry and Dominick and Sue pick
0: your poison. Yeah. That, that's sort of how I take it. Yeah. And, uh, And I think, you know, not to steal something from Moneyball, but I remember that scene in the movie where they're talking about replacing Jason Giambi. I think you can have, like, a collection of guys, you know, Mm -hmm. replace Jarvis Landry. Maybe not just one player, but, you know, a variety of of players and, and offensive scheming can, can help replace him.
1: And a friend of the podcast, Chris Kaufman at CK Parra on Twitter. We all know him very well. He's been posting some good stuff about in regards to Kenny Stills from the slot, but also Jakeem grants efficiency from the outside. And he used a preseason game to kind of make his point, which I mean, I guess you can have your opinion on that, but Jakeem grant for my money, man. Kevin, I I have to apply for a mea culpa from you. And I talked about this plenty of times because I was, you know, on the cut. Jakeem Grant, bandwagon after his really bad rookie year in terms of fielding punts, just, you know, turning the football over the number of times that he did doing that. But you look at the raw talent and the way he can. I mean, some of those games like that, that screenplay against the Chiefs uh, from last year, the week 16 game, he that's that looked just like him at Texas Tech breaking tackles against guys in the Big 12.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then quite frankly I'm surprised he's been as versatile as he has been in the, the limited looks we've seen him.
1: Yeah, and I just I think that between him and Kenny Stills, you know, working from the slot primarily, is at least that's where most of his production came from, and then maybe a guy in the mid rounds of the draft can kind of fill that role like you said. So, and then also we got more to get into here, but I think a tight end could be possible uh a snap eater from Jarvis Langers' perspective. But we talked about moving on from Indomakinsu. That's a rumor that's been out there for a while now. His APY, I believe, or cap hit this year, I think is I want to say twenty six million.
0: I believe that's right, yeah.
1: Which is just an absurd number for anybody not playing quarterback for your team. But you know, I I was trying to make a point on Twitter because I I want to see this from both sides of the of the ledger here and kind of say, well Indomakinsu is one of the most dominant three techniques, dominant you know, defensive tackles in the league. But at the same time, I was I went and looked at the Dolphins' contracts of who they currently have the guys that are on second contracts, so so veterans that are not on rookie deals anymore, obviously. And I was trying to find guys that kind of make up, uh, you know, comprehensively what Indama and makes from a from a money standpoint. And if you take if you take Kenny Stills, Rashad Jones, and Cameron Wake, you're barely over what Indama and makes per year. So those three players are basically the value of Indama and <clears throat>
0: Yeah, yeah. He's got a, a huge contract, but, uh, you know, he's sort of the linchpin of the defense, in my opinion. And I think he's the best player on the team, regardless of position. Um, so I, I hope they keep him. Um, I think there is a clause in his contract where the team can sort of arrange to have him, you know, restructure it at sort of their whim, as long as he's amenable to that. So um, I hope they keep him moving forward. If they are going to release him, I think. They can actually get more money by doing so after the 2018 season. Yeah. So it might be one of those things where you gotta carry him for a year, much like Alonzo and Branch, and then in 2019 you can kind of clean up your your salary cap mess.
1: Yeah, and one point I was kind of curious about to to kind of touch base with you. Now this is kind of just conjecture on my part, but in Dominican Sue, if you go on the Dolphin Snapchat or any of their like social media outlets that is non football stuff. And Dominican Sue is always doing something business related, whether it's like the business combine or something with Steven Ross or hanging out with his pal Warren Buffett. You know, he's always doing something in terms of off the field, planning for the future financial type of thing. So I'm wondering if maybe some of that goodwill the Dolphins have given in Dominican Sue in terms of making him a more well-rounded human and being able to create cash after his football days are over. You have to wonder if maybe that'll play into him taking a little bit less money or restructuring that contract like you mentioned.
0: Yeah, hopefully it does. Um I, I he was one of my favorite players to ever come out in the draft. I love watching him in Nebraska and I think it's awesome he's a Dolphin now, so I hope they are able to keep him at least for this year.
1: Yeah, the team doesn't get better if you lose Tom Hanks, too, that's for sure. So, but the other rumor out there right now is Jawan James and this actually just came across the uh, the old Twitter uh, uh, press line here and I believe it was Benjamin Albright who works in Denver, so he has a pretty good pulse to the Denver Broncos, and they're saying that the Dolphins are shopping Jawan James and possibly to the Denver Broncos. And in my whole offseason plan here, Kevin, that kind of him and Mike Pouncey are kind of the linchpin, the linchpins of my plan because I don't really know what's going to happen with those guys. Whether you extend James, you, you you know, you cut him, or I guess trade him in this instance. So Jawan James, a guy that's been a pretty good player the last couple of years, basically since that benching against the Cleveland Browns in 2016, but he's injured two out of or he's he's ended the season on injury reserve two out of four years. So. What are your thoughts on Jawan James, the right tackle position, if he is gone, and how much compensation we can get for him if he is traded?
0: Uh, I guess first, I'd I'd love to see them try and work out an extension, just so you're not shopping for another piece on the offensive line. Um, but I think as far as compensation goes, man, that's a tough call. I would say probably, I'd hope for a third rounder at best. You know, but I would think probably fourth or fifth or, or multiple late round picks is probably more realistic.
1: And you just wonder how much they can actually get done in terms of addressing the roster this year, if they make that move, it'd be, it'd be a curious move to me because, you know, the right tackle class and free agency is completely barren. There's nothing out there. And then the draft as well. I mean, it's been that way for a couple of years now, the offensive tackles in the draft have not been too attractive either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I know, um, I know Clyde Christensen hinted, hinted at this a few times last year, I think Gase did as well, but, you know, there was some talk about moving Jesse Davis to right tackle. But if you do that, then you're still opening up a hole at right guard. And basically your your interior is, at the moment, Mike Pouncey and two question marks. And I, I, I really don't like that that feeling there.
1: And we're going to get into talking about the guard position and how much the Dolphins have to address it in the free agency portion of this episode. And we're going to talk about that next on Locked on Dolphins podcast, at Wingfield NFL, at Locked on Fins, and at Kevin MD 4 for Kevin Dern's Twitter handle. And talking about free agency here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Winkle NFL at Locked On Fins, some of the things I've been seeing on whether I use Sport Track or Over the Cap, the two sites I use for contract details, Kevin, it's it appears to be that the the real meat of this free agency class in terms of good bargain shopping is at the offensive guard position, which to me is ironic because that's the Dolphins one of the Dolphins' biggest needs. And I think on my list it's number one. So if you go down my list of needs here, I have left guard tight end linebacker. Running back and safety are my top five. And a couple of those places positions are obviously your backups to the guys that are starters. So, um, starting off at left guard there, who are some names that you think could be a good fit for the Dolphins in terms of the zone scheme and playing, you know, coming into Miami, as well as guys that would be decent bargain values, if that makes sense?
0: Sure. Um, I don't know that he would be a bargain, but Josh Klein would be my first choice. Um, I think after him, I, I, it's a familiar name to Dolphins fans, Joe Berger. He played last year with the Vikings. I think he was a right guard, but I think he can play pretty much anywhere along the, the interior. He still might have some some tread on the tires, even though he's a little older. Um, Justin Pugh from the Giants, I think, is another guy that bears watching. And then I remember I think it was Brandon Fusco was another guy I remember being talked about when Adam Gase first got here. I believe he was with the 49ers. This past year. Um, so I think if they're able to get a left guard to plug in between tonsil and presumably Mike Pouncey, I think that'll do a lot of good for the O-line. So those are the guys I'd like to watch.
1: I actually have my uh, I have the Word document for what I'm writing for LockedOnDolphins.com right now. It's not finished, but at left guard I have some names. Brandon Fusco, one of them. Joe Berger is one of them. And then Senio Calamete from New Orleans. Patrick Omame from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then Jack Muhort from the Indianapolis Colts. Just some names I heard linked to the Dolphins over the course of the last couple of months. Now obviously we talked about how I think you and I, previously on a podcast, talked about how the Dolphins have been kind of tight-lipped this offseason not letting their plans get out there too much so who knows how much validity there is to any of that but I mean just based on the way Adam Gaze has kind of played his offense and the way how quickly the ball comes out and how you know it's a it's a quick rhythm short passing game type of offense do you think that left guard would be in play in the draft if they can't nab one of those guys in the top couple of rounds
0: what would you consider the top couple of rounds like one through three
1: yeah let's go one through three
0: Um, potentially, but I just knowing how they've treated that guard position in the past, I would probably say they wouldn't touch it in the first two rounds would be my guess unless they acquire some more picks.
1: So we can, we would both safely say the Dolphins will add a left guard for agency. Would you agree to that?
0: I think they'll try. Yeah, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Ted Larson is the starting left guard again next year.
1: Let's just shut shut the podcast down right now if that's the case. (laughs) That sounds gross. But moving on to a different position, I, I think, I mean, yeah, I, I, there's a there's a possibility or a scenario I can see where the Dolphins would have the exact same starting offensive line, which would be crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. But that could, that could possibly happen. But a place that I think we will see some change at is tight end. And I'm writing the piece right now. I've gotten through left guard and tight end and kind of looking at some of the market value there. This this move just seems like a Mike Tannenbaum special right here. And you look at the top of the tight end class. There's Trey Burton. His estimated market value, according to SportTrack.com, is $7 million. And then right behind him at $6.3 million is Jimmy Graham. And that just seems like the quintessential Mike Tannenbaum to Adam Gaze move, does it not?
0: No Tyler Eifert, the Indian
1: tight end. <laughs> I guess that's even better.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, that does seem like a, a Tannenbaum special. Yeah. Um, I really hadn't given it a whole lot of thought about them adding like a bigger name in tight end. Like I, I know they've had, there's been rumors about them being interested in Trey Burton. I mean, would you consider him a number one tight end? Uh, I'm not sure I would. So I would, I would hope they'd at least touch on tight end in the draft as well. But, uh, you know, I, I would be interested to see what happens with Martellus Bennett. I believe he and Gase were together in Chicago, weren't they?
1: Yeah. I haven't even thought about that. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, as far as the tight ends in the draft, that, that's a great spot to dip into just because I think it's one of the deeper tight end classes in a while that we've seen. So definitely going back there. And then, Kevin, I want to talk to you about linebackers because you you do a lot of good stuff on the defensive side of the football. You know the defense is pretty well, and you definitely know the Dolphins defense inside and out. So you've talked about on the podcast before about some of the linebackers you like, whether it was Tahir Whitehead or Nigel Bradham. We've seen Zach Brown being floated out. as a name that could be a possible target. Do you think any of those guys at their current market values, which you know seems to me like it's going to be in that $5, $6, 7000000 million per year range for any of those three guys, is that going to be worth it to sign those guys? And if so, who is the best fit of all three?
0: Um, I think it would be worth it just because I kind of question how many linebackers are going to be around when Miami's picking at some of their uh, spots, especially if they don't. Grab one at 11, which I, I kind of am inclined to think they won't grab one there. Um, I think to hear Whitehead will probably price himself out of Miami. It wouldn't surprise me if, if Nigel Bradham and Zach Brown both did. Um, I think two guys I'd really like to keep an eye on would be Anthony Hitchens. And uh, I know this guy is one guy that uh, Chris Kaufman talked about quite a bit. But uh, Marquise Flowers, he was actually drafted by the Bengals when Matt Burke was there. Um, I believe he, he played extensively in, um, with New England, and I think he went to one other team between New England and Cincinnati and played, maybe Arizona, I can't remember. Um, I think they'll, they'll try and you know, kind of attack it with a low market value. is another spot I think they could look to the draft um, to address there, but those would be the, the guys. If they do kind of make a splash, I think Nigel Bradham would probably still be closer to their price point.
1: Yeah, that's going to be an interesting position to, to watch over those couple of months because, like you said, I think the only surefire, like, cheap options as far as starting players or guys that are going to play 75-plus percent of the snaps would be at pick 11, whether it's Tremaine Edmonds, Roquan Smith, or maybe even a Rashawn Evans in a tradeback situation. But it just seems like that's kind of the one position they have a huge need at that they're kind of handcuffed at.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And uh, just for my money, I'm not sure I would take either Tremaine Edmonds or Roquan Smith at 11 based on how they would fit into the Dolphins' defense. If it was another defense like New England or, you know, a Minnesota or Cincinnati, like a Mike Zimmer-type scheme, I'd be a little more inclined to take either one of those two guys. I just don't think the scheme fit is as great with both of those guys for Miami as it would be with other teams, especially that high in the draft.
1: What about Rashawn Evans?
0: Uh, he in terms of scheme fit, he'd probably be my top linebacker for the Dolphins, but i He's one of those guys, I don't know if you, you spend the 11th overall pick on him, I think right. you try and trade back or maybe even hope he, he kind of starts to slip at the beginning of the second round and you can maybe move up a few spots, sort of like they did for um, Xavier Howard a couple years ago.
1: And one of the things that makes me curious about all this quarterback talk, and we're going to get to that here on the last note on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, is talking about quarterbacks and the, the rumors the Dolphins have put out there in terms of, you know, Baker Mayfield, Josh Rose. And we've seen, that's all I've seen in the last, you know, several weeks, every single day is those rumors. But it makes you wonder if some of that has to do with the Dolphins' interest in trading back because a lot of these second and third round draft pick guys are guys that you could go ahead and bring in that would be akin to one of those mid level free agent guys we talked about like at left guard or tight end or whatever it is they would kind of fit that mold and give you a guy that could compete for a starting job right away but do it on a much lesser salary do you think that's possibly in the cards a trade back Um,
0: I'd like to think so I'd love to see him get a draft where they end up with more picks um, I really don't want know what to make of all the, the Baker Mayfield talk at the moment um, just based on everything that Adam Gase has said and then for whatever reason I think Armando Salguero you know, think of him what you will. He's been pretty plugged in around the last two off seasons. As far as info, I think he was the only writer that had Charles Harris even, uh, you know, typed out in one of those columns last year. And he wrote a piece in the wake of the Jarvis Landry trade. And basically, you know, one of the lines was something I'm paraphrasing here was, you know, I guarantee Ryan Tannehill will have other targets to throw to in 2018. Um, I don't think he would put that out there if he didn't believe that Tannehill was going to be here. So I do kind of, I would hope that a trade back is more in play than a trade up. Or if they're trading up, I would hope it's for a non-quarterback.
1: And you and I have talked about this a lot in terms of 11 being kind of a, a no-man's land in the draft. And if you target someone, this is before the Robert Quinn trade we talked about, if you target Marcus Davenport or a Derwin James or a Mika Fitzpatrick or whoever it is that would be a big game-changer right away for you, it seems prudent to move back the other direction and kind of go towards for my money, a guy like maybe, you know, I don't know if tight ends in play, but like a top level receiver, like a Calvin Ridley, or like you mentioned a Rashawn Evans, or if we do go tight end like a Mike, a at the back end of the first round. So doing that, getting a day one starter and acquiring more picks seems like a good move to me.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'd like to see him do that. So that's pretty interesting. I haven't
1: really gotten that much into that, but that's a pretty interesting thought there. I think that could be something they consider to do. They're at the top of the draft at pick number 11. So this is the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. I'm joined by Kevin Duran at KevinMD4. We have a few more notes to get to in reference to the Dolphins free agency as well as draft coming up in 2018. And back on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, earlier we talked about how Kiko Alonso is kind of preventing the Dolphins from doing a whole lot at linebacker, and Andre Branch is also doing the same thing at defensive end. Now, Kev, you have a run-stuffing defensive end on your needs list here. Let's go over these needs lists real quick before we get into this. I talked about it already for me, left guard, tight end one, LB two, running back two, dime safety, and then a bunch of other backup positions. What are your top five need lists, or top five needs on your list?
0: Yeah, so number one, I think just I base this more off of snap counts, so we'll call it interior O-line. Um, I would put outside linebacker one. Tight end, run stopping, defensive end, and then sort of a, a third safety slash dime player, whatever you want to call it.
1: So both of us, top five. both of us think that quarterback two is outside of the top five.
0: I do for right now.
1: So, and that obviously means that we both think Ryan Tannehill is the guy going forward. But let's get back into this defensive end thing. We'll get back into the quarterback after this. But at defensive end, obviously they brought in Robert Quinn, more of a pass rush specialist, a guy that had 19 sacks one season many moons ago. But it possibly signals the end of William Hayes, who had a really good seven-game run for the Dolphins last year. But you have run-stuffing defensive end uh, on your list here. So give me some names, both free agency and the draft. And could Will Hayes be one of those guys?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, just with where they're at cap-wise, I think my preference would be to, to re-sign William Hayes. Um, really, in free agents, there's kind of some smaller market names. I know Alex Okafor is out there, but he's coming off an, an ACL injury in the middle of last season. Um, Really the only two guys I wrote down were were Will Clark and Tank Carradine as far as um, free agents go. As far as the draft, um, I really like Sam Hubbard and Jalen Holmes, both at Ohio State. Um, I also like Chad Thomas from uh, the U. Uh, I think those would be kind of three guys. You may not have to spend a a first-round pick on any of them other than maybe Hubbard. So those are some guys I like as as run-stopping DNs that can be part of the rotation.
1: Yeah, it seems like the draft might be the way to go because defensive end is. I talked about on Twitter a little bit today that that's one of those positions that I know run stuffing is different than what it, or like run stuffing is different than in terms of a pass rusher would cost. But the four premier positions are quarterback, offensive tackle, defensive end, and then corner. So to pay for those guys in the open market could be a little bit steep. So that's why I could see the draft being a more viable option there. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so.
1: And then speaking of that too, running back is another position that man, that's that's one that's so deep in the in the draft class this year. But then you also have the Dolphins' connection to C.J. Anderson, who at this point hasn't been cut yet from the Denver Broncos. There are reports that he could be. Man, I, I don't I know they're talking about trading Juwan James to Denver, but if they do it for C.J. Anderson, that would kind of bum me out because I feel like you could probably just get him after he gets cut rather than having to spend you know a starting right tackle on him. But is that a position the Dolphins will go after in free agency or the draft? Or I know you're a big Sony Michelle fan. What do you think about the running back behind Kenyon Drake?
0: Yeah, I, I would prefer them to go through it in the draft. Um, really, the only free agent I would touch would be C.J. Anderson if he's cut, just because he knows the offense, he knows Gase and Studsville. Um But I think there's just so many good running backs in this year's draft class. Um, even if they don't end up with a Sony Michelle or a Darius Geis, I think there's still other guys down the board that you know can come in and play well too. So, my preference would be for them to go in the draft.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Me too. And I think that you could, you know, CJ Anderson's probably going to cost you 3 to $4 million a year if you sign him off the free agent scrap heap. So, you know, it's I think he's a good fit, but it does seem like Adam Gaze has a preference in terms of running backs, in terms of guys that can basically do all three aspects of their job and do them well. So you can disguise your offense with whoever running back is on the field and not have to like, kind of change the game plan to face to accommodate the running back on the field. So definitely whoever they draft or sign is going to be a guy. I think they can do all three things. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I know they tried to go after C.J. Anderson when Gates first got here, so I think that might be their first move if he is cut, but I still wonder if they're going to be able to afford him at, at the right price point.
1: Yeah, then John Elway came in in the 11th hour and took him back away when they had that offer sheet signed. So that was a bummer. But the Dolphins have turned out some good running backs since then. But let's go back to the quarterback here and kind of finish up the podcast here, Kevin. And so we both think that Ryan Tannehill will be here. We both think they're not going to trade up and go crazy for a quarterback. But if there's a quarterback there at 11, is there one that would be there that you would take personally?
0: Um, I would take – if Baker Mayfield's there, I would take him. Um and I would probably give strong consideration to uh, Josh Rosen as well. I think he's got a really nice arm, and I was impressed by some of the games of UCLA that I watched.
1: And he seems to be a kind of guy that would really flourish in what Adam Gaze wants to do in terms of getting the ball out quickly and, and being on time and on schedule on those short throws and obviously the built-in shot plays that we saw back in 2016, not so much in 2017. But I think there's definitely a case to be made for this quarterback class. The way I put it is that I think this quarterback class is one of the best ones in quite a while, at least from a depth standpoint. And I think, like you said, Baker Mayfield, to me, is head and shoulders above everybody else in the class. But I just don't think he's going to be there at pick 11. So... If the Dolphins do want to get him, they're going to have to trade up for him, in my opinion. So if we do trade up, so if you ask me, I think if if you trade up to get a quarterback, you should probably just move on from Ryan Tannehill. I think that if you're going to trade up, that means that's your guy. He should start day one, and that means there's no place for Tannehill on the team, and you could clear the $19 million off the books. So if you're going to trade Ryan Tannehill, what would you expect in return for fair compensation?
0: Um, I think if you trade him, you know, I know the rumor has been Denver. I think that Benjamin Albright had talked about that on Twitter. I think if you trade him and, you know, the 11th pick, that should be sufficient to get you up to pick five. Um, maybe you might even net like a fifth or sixth round in return as well. Um, if you trade him just for picks, um, it's hard to say. What did Alex Smith just get traded for going to Washington? I can't remember.
1: Yeah, off the top of my head, I'm not sure. I want to say it was a third rounder. But they also got, I think, Kyle F- uh, Kendall Fuller in the deal too, though.
0: Yeah, so I would say if you can trade Tannehill for, yeah, uh, I would even take, you know, if Kirk Cousins weren't rumored to be going to Minnesota, I would take a late first for Tannehill. Yeah. I think he'd do well in Minnesota, and they wouldn't have to pay as much. But I would say if you can get a second rounder and then maybe another you know, second, third, or fourth rounder along with it, I think just to help clear some of that cap space. If you really want to move up and get Mayfield or whoever your guy is, I I would say, you know, maybe two picks would, would be what Tannehill would fetch you.
1: But then the thing I worry about, though, is what if Tannehill comes back and plays? Like, you and I both expect him to, because you and I both think he'll play well in 2018 and beyond. So if he plays, you know, at a level where he is the 12th highest rated passer in the league again, like he was the last time that he played, you're talking about a guy that could fetch you two first-round picks down the line. So that's why I'm kind of you know hesitant to trading him this year because I think his value is only going to
0: go up from here. Yeah, I would say I would kind of share the philosophy that the Eagles had going yeah. up to get Carson Wentz a couple of years ago. That was their their guy, and they made it happen. Um, if Miami believes one of those guys at the top is going to be the, the next Carson Wentz, then go for it, I guess. But I just don't see any of those guys – being as good as, as Wentz or, or even Tannehill right off the bat.
1: Very well said, I agree. So I think that's pretty much and that's a good way to end the podcast here. I think, Kevin, what do you think? Sounds good to me. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. say good night, Kevin. Good night, Kevin. And there he goes, Kevin Dern at Kevin MD4, my guest for the night. You guys have no idea how long I've been wanting to get that sound drop in there for him on the Home Alone classic good night Kevin Sposs. So good on him for getting that done and good on you guys for listening to this episode of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. That's going to do it for the show tonight. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. And of course, check out the Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Wimple NFL, Follow the show, at LockedOnFins. Follow our flagship show on Twitter and Facebook, at Lockdown NFL, And check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all the daily written Dolphins content needs. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.